The Weekend Variety Wireless. What's the saddest sounding instrument in the world? No witty answer is coming. I just think it's the oboe. Gosh, it cries. We've got an oboe coming in from the Auckland Philharmonia. They're having a lash at Beethoven's Seventh Symphony. One of the most amazing pieces of music and exhilarating oh, ever written. And we'll talk a little bit about Beethoven and the symphony. They're having a go at it on Thursday night. Do go along. There's nothing like seeing these sort of things live. You just do not get the dynamic. You cannot be recorded. But if you are going to buy a recording, may I re recommend Carlos Kleiber? There you go. And the Wiener Orchestra. And don't laugh at the name, they're absolutely amazing. There you go. Righty-ho, John Dibbig's up next. Uh, letter from America time, so strap yourselves in and uh, if you don't agree with this point of view, bad luck. Sometimes neither do I. The Weekend Variety Wireless. US is the least qualified guy. <laughs> but look what they are doing today. Yet, this guy is telling us it's better for you to shut up. Hello, John. <laughs> hey, Graham. I love that. This guy. This guy. This guy's talking to us. Yeah. <laughs> like you're talking to a dog. Damn right. <laughs> neither, neither of you are in the, in the World Cup uh, finals, so never mind. No. No. God, neither is any South American country. There's a surprise. Poor old Uruguay. Yeah. Man, they tried. They just battle, 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 battle. They just got nudged. They couldn't do it. Nah. Yeah. Nah. Three and a bit million people. Yeah. I know I've gone on about this a bit, but it, nobody else does, so I'm... <laughs> Good on you. ...compensating. Yep. There okay. Um, now, imagine. Okay, Take now. a minute and imagine what, John? I just want all you listeners out there, mm. all you good, honest Kiwi folk... To just imagine, take a second. Last week, our president, he's an illegitimate president, but he holds the office, told over 100 lies in a week. Mm -hmm. Just sit there where you are right now, and what if Jacinda Ardern told 100 lies next week? What if she told you 100 lies that you knew were lies and nobody did anything about it? They just kind of like, oh, yeah. The parliament just kind of went, oh, yeah, mm. oh, yeah. Think about that. I mean, that's just staggering. Yeah. I mean, you know, because well, you're a smaller country, we'll whittle it down to 50. We'll give you half. 50 lies. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, it, that's, that's a, the enormity of this situation that we have playing in the United States at the moment. It does depend on what sort of lies. Okay. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll go to our next subject, and we'll get into some serious lines. You know, I think just my bum look big in this, and that's that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. mean, sure, there are yeah. there are lies, but still, you don't yeah. expect the president of the United States to continually lie. It no would be shocking. It would be shocking, John, because um, she's kind of a different person than Donald Trump is. We we saw Donald Trump coming from a long run-up away. Yeah. We kind of knew what kind of guy sure, he is. Sure, sure. Bloviating. Yeah. And a lot of lies come with bloviation, don't they? Yeah. But what I didn't see was the continually lies, right. the continual lies. Didn't see the continual attack on the Department of Justice and the FBI. Mm. And didn't see the cult-like fanaticism of the idiots that support this guy. Mm. Did not see that. You know, you figure that Americans would have been a little bit smarter than that. I mean, we, you know, we're, we're classified as a dumb nation. That's fine. That doesn't bother me. 
But well, like I say, I think this is a great test for the Boy, United States. I hope to shout. It's it's a huge test. Yeah. You know, and, and it's getting huger by the second. You'll be okay. You think? Barack, Barack Obama said you'd be okay. Yeah, he only does. Yeah, yeah he's, I've, he's very... got, I've got that here. Oh, have I got that? Oh, can I throw it over there? No, I can't. I can't play that right now. So okay. Well, mind. he's very optimistic. I'll play it at the end. Remind very optimistic, me. Barack. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, a cool customer. All right. So Trump's a chump. Yeah. Okay. And this is where the lying takes a very serious note. Mm. He continually lies about North Korea. He continually says that we can sleep well at night because the denuclearization has started. Well, it hasn't started. In fact, what has started after Trump left with his bosom buddy, Kim Jong-un, they started to, and I mentioned this last week, but they started to upgrade their nuclear facilities. they got two that we know about. That I thought it was just a wrecked shed with a bit of radiation no, hanging around. No, no, these are two huge plants. How do we know? You can see the satellite images. I've seen them. Okay. You can see them. I mean, it's right there. It's right there. They're up, not, beyond, not upgrading their nuclear facilities. For producing plutonium and uranium, which you need to make nuclear warheads. Where are they purchasing that from? Well, we don't know, do we? Have they really got it? That's the problem. Well, they've got to have some because they've already made a bomb. Well, we project, the intelligence community project that they have 60 nuclear warheads. Oh, yeah. But do we know that? No. Maybe they have 80. No, we Maybe don't. Maybe they have 100. We don't. We don't know. And would they, would they use them? I mean, they are, they're a mad outfit, but it would it, it would be suicide, wouldn't it? Well, it would be, yeah. but the point is that, you know, Donald Trump is telling us, he's telling the American people, telling uh. the world that they're denuclearizing, and they're doing no such thing. Right. Besides upgrading their nuclear plants, they're upgrading their missile plant. So they're producing more missiles. They yeah. haven't tested any because they don't have to. Yeah. What Donald Trump is doing is saying, I'm the greatest negotiator of all time. time. Um, I'm just so amazing. Look at what I've done. Yeah. And um, so he makes up stuff. He does make up stuff. And stuff that nobody really knows. But, but what he's done was we have had military exercises with South Korea for years mm. since the Korean conflict. Yeah. And now... We call them military exercises. The North Koreans call them war games. Now, all of a sudden, Trump is calling them war games. He's right. taken over their terminology, uh. and he's pulled us out, which kind of makes South Korea a little nervous and Japan a little nervous, and he's taken the side, and the piece of paper that they signed, there's no verifications, there's no timeline, there's no inspectors. There's no nothing. It's just some flimsy blah, blah, blah talk about leading up to denuclearization, and that's it. Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State, went over this week to start the negotiations, mm. and guess what? He left, and the North Koreans said, the United States are being bullies. It's a cancerous situation. They're not being serious about what they... And just said it, the, the talks were shit. But if you listen to Trump, Oh man, I'm I'm yeah. I'm the guy. Just, just, I'm the guy. Yeah, yeah. But the reality is, this act has been playing out forever since the Kim Jong Uns of the world have been in charge. You know, the whole family of North Korea. Nothing has changed. Do you get a feeling though that at least the temperature's gone down a bit? That things are a bit better between North Korea and the USA since two nut bars got what they wanted? Well, no, maybe between those two. Yeah. But if you listen to the negotiators this week saying that the United States were trying to be gangsters 
and it was a cancerous meeting. I don't think that that's very good. Oh, that's from North that, Korea. That's from North Korea. Well, they're just returning to normal broadcasting, Ex aren't they? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Nothing much has changed. No. Well... You know why? I feel for the Korean people. Yeah, sure. Because, Ask their government. Because they're getting screwed. But the thing is, they've got the nuclear warheads. They've got the missile technology. They've got the ability to hit America or any place else they want to hit. So they don't have to go around ratcheting the shit up. And you do not know what they're saying to China and what China's saying to them. Because this guy has had three meetings in Beijing. Three. Never been out of the goddamn country before. Now all of a sudden, he's over there with Uncle Jing. Yeah. And you, you don't know what they're doing. Is it Jing or Ping? Uh, Jing? Ping. XI? Jing? Xi Ping. Xi Xi Ping. I think so. Okay. Isn't it amazing we don't really know? We used to know their names all the time. Mao, Chow and Lai. Uh, yep. <coughs> you know? All those, yeah. yeah. Well, we should know Xi Ping. Well, well we should. Because he's going to be around for a while. He is. He's got a lifetime contract. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's hope he's somewhat sensible. Well, yeah, but you know he's going to try and screw over the states because, you know, I mean, that's just the way, that's the way it works. No, it's a big market for, for China. So if he screws over the states, he loses hey, his market. Wait till we get to the tariffs, buddy. Oh, okay. Okay, calling Trump. Now, this is a crack-up. This is a crack-up. I mean, Trump talks about security and emails and Hillary Clinton not being this and that and whatnot. He can't even secure his own telephone line. This comedian DJ in New York... Calls Air Force One. Really? Calls Air Force One. And, you know, like like you do at a radio station. It's a prank kind of thing. Well, let's call Air Force One. See how far we get. Is it in the phone book? I don't know how he got the number. I don't know. He got the number somehow. He calls him up, and he says he's Bob Menendez, the, the senator from New Jersey, because his name is Melendez or something like that. So it's kind of close to Menendez. Okay. So he's impersonating a senator. And he says, yeah, this is Bob Menendez, a uh, senator from New Jersey. I'd like to speak to uh, the president, please, about a few things. And they say, well, he's kind of busy right now. He says, that's fine. That's fine. I can call back. They go, well, no, give us your number, and when he's free, we'll call you back. And they don't ask any security questions. They don't ask anything of this guy. They did ask why his, um, his um, area code number was a little bit different from New Jersey, Mm. And he says, well, that's because I'm on vacation. And then this, this guy goes, you know, they're so stupid, they don't realize that your cell phone, you know, uh, area code doesn't change just because you, <laughs> you, right. you move around. It stays the same. So anyway, they call him back. And they put him through to Trump, and he has a 10-minute conversation with Trump about shit. I, that's, I think that's brilliant. <laughs> I like that. I think that's good. <coughs> yeah, you but know Thomas Jefferson used to answer the White House door? Why? Well, someone knocked? Oh, sure. Well, yeah. after Thomas Jefferson gave his inaugural address, he walked down to the local pub and had a beer and a, and a sandwich. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but those were different types. I you don't want the, an unsecured phone to the goddamn president of the United States. Any Tom, Dick, and Harry with malicious intent. What can they do? I don't know. Nothing. I'm not a, I'm not a bad guy. I'm a can, good guy. No, I don't <laughs> think they can do anything just by calling up Trump. Well, I don't know, man. I don't think that. No, I think it's brilliant. That's, I knocked on the door of 10 Downing Street. What'd they do? Opened it. <laughs> oh. They did. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. This is like 1998, I think. Oh, yeah? Yeah. 
Um, so it was before security was really upped, and you used to be able to walk down Downing Street. Now you can't. You they, can't. They put Same a, like in, the, in Washington, D.C., they got yeah. barriers all over the place. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I was there. I thought, oh, well, hell, you know, you only live once. Let's give it a go. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, that's good. What happened? Did you meet anybody? They, they opened the door, and I said something. I, I, it just closed again quite quickly. I can't exactly remember what they said. Piss off. Something like, <laughs> something like no. <laughs> Yeah. I think no <laughs> yeah. was involved. Yeah. They did open the door. Well, fair enough. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. Uh, soybeans are in trouble. Ooh. Yeah, well, the big farming The big trouble. farming thing now, because now officially on Friday we started our uh, trade war with China. Yeah. China, Canada, Mexico, European Union. Okay. So... You know, and you talk about Xi Ping, you know, worrying about his, his commodity and his yeah. stuff. He doesn't have to worry about it as much as America because he just tells his people what to do. Simple as that. And there's no, there's no blowback. You know, they do what they're told. Yeah. You know, now the, the tariffs. There's a lot more yes, sir. Yeah, a lot more. Yeah. Oh, you betcha. You betcha. That's just what I was thinking. Just yeah. what I was thinking. Yeah. But, you know, look at the tariffs, all right? Already... Harley Davidson has had to move out of the country because European Union used to uh, put a 6% tax on their steel to the states. Now they've put it up to 31% in retaliation. So Harley Davidson guy says, I'm going to take a $100 million hit with this. So I'm moving. I'm moving overseas, doing my production there, and then I don't have to do the tariffs. Where? Do you know? I don't know. He didn't say. He just said that, you know, one of his biggest markets is the European Union, those countries. And you can imagine that. I mean, it's a great brand. It's a great name. But he's had to lay off people. The largest nail company, steel nail company in America, in popular Missouri, they've already laid off 60 people. And they're either going to go out of business or move overseas Mm. because of the tariffs. China has slapped a 25% tariff immediately on lobster. The whole main industry is up in uproar now because their big market was, guess what? China. Right. You know, the Chinese like lobster. They eat it all the time. Well, now they got to look for new markets. The soybeans. China's going to now buy their soybeans from Brazil. They're giving the big finger to America. So, you know, and the soybean people, you know, in Iowa and this and that, in the Midwest, they're going to lose like $600 million right mm. off the bat. Yeah. And these small farms, how many hits can you take? Now, the thing is, then I listened to a guy from Iowa, a farmer. He goes, well, you know, you know, it's going to hurt, hurt us now. You know, I'm a, I'm a Trump backer, and, and on a, I'm just hoping it all work out. Now, he's a great negotiator. And you're going, bullshit. What has he ever negotiated? <laughs> This is not negotiation. This is bully tactics where he's trying to flex his muscle, and this is what the problem is. You got two scenarios here. It's not going to – nobody's going to win in this. The consumer's going to lose, and some industries are going to be crippled, or somehow you're going to have to go down the line and negotiate both sides to save face. Neither side's going to – you got two – jerk-offs, mm. two powerhouses. Nobody's going to just back down and say, oh, okay, you're right, and I'm wrong. That's not going to happen. Mm. The, and that the problem is we know Trump's an asshole, and, and he's doing bully tactics, and he's not going to back down. And this could really escalate. I mean, right now, it's early days. Mm. Some people are being hurt, you know, but, you know, it could become a global 
economy type of thing. Yeah, it is really worrying. Um, more wars, I think, have been fought about trade than land. Oh, yeah, totally. And I read some column, the last trade war we had uh, didn't work out real well. And this was that back in the Depression days where they tried to put on some tariffs on a lot of, you know, it's called the Scott Hagley Act or something, some mm. two, you know. And it just, it just, you know, sped up the Depression yeah. is what it did. And put a lot of people out of work. So, you know, I would say, you would say, okay, well, if they want to have a trade war and America wants fairness in, in certain things, fine. But with Trump, he's such a dick that it could just turn out to be disastrous. He's really trying something that's um, in accord with that thrust of his America first policy. There you go. The great fault is he... Unlike Obama and uh, and other people, didn't think what happens next. That's right. He thinks in the moment. He yeah. just thinks right now. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to get. We'll put tariffs on everyone, and what are they going to do? Well, it doesn't matter. America first. Yeah. Oh, no, well, yeah. okay. Now here's yeah. the here's the the cherry on the pie. Yeah. He's in Greenville, South Carolina, mm -hmm. and he's railing on and on, and all these morons behind him are cheering and salivating at the mouth. And he's talking about putting tariffs on German cars because he's got a thing about Angela Merkel. So he wants to put Germans, you know, get those goddamn German cars out of America. We'll put tariffs on us. Mm. You know where the largest BMW plant in the world is? Mexico. South Carolina. Is it really? Biggest in the world. Far out. So if you start to put tariffs on their cars, what are all you asshole people that are cheering for him going to do for jobs when they pull up and leave, you morons? Yeah. I mean, that's just ridiculous. You know, I mean, people just, don't, you know, they just don't get it. Mm. They just don't get it. Okay. The Senate Intel Intelligence C Committee. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is this is in a really interesting little little tidbit this week. They did it right before the 4th of July. Oh, man, I tell you, man, I had my chili. I had my dogs. I steamed my buns. I had the, I had the Swiss francs. I actually got Swiss francs. Did you? Yeah, well, because they were long, tasty, really tasty, and I had my chili. Yeah. So we had chili dogs. Anyway, that was last week. <laughs> <laughs> but the, uh, the Senate Intelligence Committee has put out a report. They put it out right, you know, you know, the White House released it right before the holidays, so, you know, everything's kind of down, downturn. But, oh. you know, Trump has been saying for ad infinitum that, you know, Russia didn't meddle in our election because he asked Vladimir, and Putin said no, he didn't, and he believes him because they got a bosom-buddy relationship, and it would make him an illegitimate president, which he is. I've said that way from the beginning, that he's the fake president. He's not really an elected president. Um, yes, he is. No, he's not. Yes, he's a fake. He he's a fake. Uh, but now everybody in the intelligence committee from the CIA to the FBI has said irrefutably that they have proof, you know, they don't tell you what it is, but yet they show you some stuff, that Russia meddled in the election. Now, the Senate Intelligence Committee, which is made of both Republicans and Democrats, came out this week and said that, yes, they have now irrefutable proof after doing their investigations that Russia not only meddled in our elections, Vladimir Putin directly was involved in it, and they directly wanted to help Trump win and hurt Hillary. That is enormously strong language from a Senate Intelligence Committee. They're usually pretty bland about that stuff. They say, oh, there were some problems or this, that. Mm. But they specifically said that Putin 
was involved in it. Russia was involved in it. They wanted to help our fake president and hurt Hillary. End of story. And right. that Trump will continue to say, no, 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 no. You know, there was, and, you know, next week, I can't believe, what a, what a week this is. Trump is going to go to Britain and meet the Queen. I can't believe you're doing this, Liz. Come on. No, she's the Queen. She does these things. I don't care. She, Come on. I think Just, she met Robert Mugabe. That's uh, worse. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I put my hand up there for that plenty. one. Yeah, yeah. But I don't care, though, Liz. Come on. Show some class. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Trump's going to meet... This is class. Uh, she's showing class. Oh, no. So Trump is going to meet the Queen, and he's also going to meet Putin. <laughs> Right. <laughs> there you go from yin and yang. Yeah. Now, the thing about... I mean, he's he's going to ask to go to the tower. Can I play with the jewels? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, he's not going to... You know, they're going to have huge demonstrations in London. Huge demonstrations. Yeah. And they'll keep him away from all of that. But he's going to meet Putin. And when he meets Putin, he did, there's nobody else going to be in the room again. No note takers, no, no press, no nothing. No. So you know that this guy's bullshit. You know he's bullshit. And he says he's going to ask if Russia meddled in the elections. Give me a break. Well, it doesn't well, even matter. Because what a whatever, joke. Who's, who's going to... There's no verification from him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it really doesn't matter. It doesn't. Yeah. But the people who really hate Trump, you've got to realise that it wasn't just Russia that lost the election. I, Trump didn't think he was going to win. I know he didn't. But I he was, got help from places that he shouldn't have. Well, He's his, a fake president. When he walked down onto the stage <laughs> after the announcement that yeah. he won, you know, the tune yeah. that was played. Uh, what was that? And, and Mick Jagger was upset. Oh, that yeah, yeah. You can't always get what you want. Yeah. <laughs> Why? They couldn't find another tune that was somehow more positive. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It, was ex it just speaks volumes, <laughs> yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, no, it does. Yeah. It does. That's what he was prepared for. <laughs> So I don't care. So much confidence he had in the collusion then. He's a fake. Uh, right. Illegitimate. Benedict Arnold. All right. Whiny little bitch. Whiny little bitch. This class, this wraps it up for this, this uh, edition. Trump is complaining all the time. All the time. He was dealt a bad hand. The economy was bad. Unemployment was bad. You know, I had problems with this, problems with that. Somebody should have fixed North Korea long ago. Why do I have to take all this? The economy was great. The economy was on the upswing. Unemployment was 4.5%. Falling, 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 falling. Falling, falling, falling. Immigration. At least he hasn't cocked that up. Well, he hasn't cocked it up. He's kept it going. So good for him on that. But Maybe he had, just leave well alone and things will But he had a out. good hand. Everything yeah. was fine. Yeah. Okay, North Korea has always been there. Syria has always been there. Afghanistan, ISIS, Al-Qaeda. The Middle East problems, Israel, Palestine. Those problems have been there, you whiny little bitch. If you can't stand the heat, get the hell out of the goddamn kitchen and don't run for the job, you jerk. He's Neymar of politics. The Brazilian guy. The oh, the yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got me. How Good do we segue. Cope with that? Good segue. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think. The USA will be okay. I hope the USA will be okay. Barack Obama thinks the USA <laughs> will be okay. I don't know, man. At I, least he said so immediately after the election. I yeah, think. immediately after, before all this bullshit started happening. <laughs> all right. Oh, um, and just just one last little thing. Yeah. You know, I, you know, Mike Hosking. I haven't seen any other reports on you. And guess what, big guy? That little girl on Time Magazine. 
She's, you know, she's okay, but 3,000 other kids are not okay, Mike. They're still separated. They still haven't got to their moms and their dads. They're still in concentration camps across America. Concentration. That's the story. Concentration They are camps. concentration camps. They're cages. You'll be okay. Thank you. This is not just a matter of no drama Obama. This is, this is what I really believe. It is true that behind closed doors I curse more than I do. <laughs> and sometimes I get mad and frustrated like everybody else does. But at my core, I think we're going to be okay. This is the Weekend Variety Ones on Radio Live. We do address classical music every now and again on Radio Live. If someone can describe why something's so freaking good or interesting, but sometimes there are pieces that may as well be the Beatles because they're not only brilliant art, but they're well-known and pretty damn popular. The APO, the Auckland Philharmonia. Lovers of music. Orchestra, lovers of music. That's what it means. It's Greek, isn't it? Indeed. Doing Beethoven's Seventh Symphony, which is just a rollicking masterpiece. Beethoven, one of the most astounding cats to address music that's ever graced the planet. Bede Hanley is with us, the principal oboe on this thing, to talk us a bit through it and a bit about why it's great and why Beethoven's great. Welcome along. Thank you very much. First of all, a bit of your background. Put us in, in the picture where you learnt your music. I'm Canadian. I'm from a small city called Saskatoon in the province of Saskatchewan. I had a wonderful teacher. His name was Mark Rogers. So lucky. We all have to have great teachers to, to do well at these instruments. Um, yeah. And then I moved on to study with John Mack at the Cleveland Institute of Music in Cleveland, Ohio, where I did a, a degree in, in oboe performance. And he is a, sort of a venerable teacher of the oboe. He was longtime principal oboe of the Cleveland Orchestra. Mm. And Cleveland has a famous orchestra too, doesn't it? It does. A great orchestra. One of the world's great orchestras. Does it keep up its reputation? Absolutely. Good. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I just heard them a few weeks ago in Vienna playing all nine of the Beethoven symphonies over four nights, and they sounded amazing. I only heard two of the concerts, but amazing. Let's talk about Beethoven and then the symphony number no. seven. I don't think we appreciate quite the musical revolution that, that he achieved. We take for granted, I believe, that art in music is an expression of, of the artist, his brain, his emotions, and a bit of spinal cord yep. as well, yep. and muscle. Yep. As far as I can tell, he almost invented it. Yeah, I mean, these pieces are now considered old by some people, but of course, in the time they were written, this was contemporary music mm. and incredibly vital and incredibly of the moment. And Beethoven was a real iconoclast. So, I mean, he wrote nine symphonies and they're all masterworks. Yeah. This seventh symphony is, well, each of them is amazing in its own way, but the seventh symphony is, is on this epic scale. Yeah. It's really grand and it takes the listener uh, on a big journey with Beethoven. I mean, it's just jam-packed full of energy from the beginning to the end. Yeah, a lot of great composers, of course, before Beethoven. It doesn't mean what they did wasn't great, but it was different as far as I can tell. You know, Bach, amazing. Just the cleverness of his brain to do what he did it's music for God to sound nice yeah Beethoven decided nah I'm gonna tell you how I feel 
Yeah, and I think also just that the art form had evolved. It was time for it to be blown up and yeah. go in a bit of a different direction. I think that's, well, I think all the great composers did that, but Beethoven did that in a very significant way. Maybe a cross between Mozart and Pete Townsend. Bit of a rock star. And the Sex Pistols. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good one. He was deaf when he wrote the seventh, or good as? I don't know the timeline of all these things, but by the time he got onto the ninth, I know that he certainly was. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, he didn't live that long. Um, I'm no. sure he was. I'm sure he wasn't hearing too well. No. Although a lot of, is made of that. You're hearing your music in your head, in your brain, really, yep. rather than through your ears, yep. don't you? Yeah, you do. You do. He would have been as immersed in music as ever, just more inside than from, from yeah. outside. But, I mean, let's face it, he was making music more than listening to it, appreciating others. Yeah, he just would have missed out on the goodies of being able to hear it himself in a concert hall, That's which right. Is on great. the other hand, maybe, you know, maybe the version he had playing inside was uh, even better than what he, what he was going to hear. Yeah, exactly. Okay, we're going to play little bits of this to talk about Beethoven's seventh because a lot of it will be familiar to you I think anyway it starts off from the get-go Mr. Oboe I'm so glad to have you here you're up first shot yep, aren't you that's right that's straight right. up there it goes kajumpf then me do you want me to play it go on all right how's your read well you tell me okay Khabib has his oboe here is such a special instrument. To me, it's a crying machine. Yeah, yeah. There's no question that there's something unique and special about the oboe that makes all of the, of the great composers use it, make it a protagonist in all their pieces. There's something really poignant about the sound. Okay, a symphony goes parts one, two, three, four. I don't really know why. Tradition. Yeah, I Mainly tradition. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And, gosh, in part one, it's just such so much windy, rhythmical stuff. Yes. It makes you want to ride a horse or something. Yes. It's, just, it's a gale through your hair. Yes, it is indeed. It's a, it's a romp. It's very vital. It's sort of this dun-da-dun-dun-da-dun-dun-da-dun-dun-da-dun dance uh, rhythm that goes all the way through. you want to join some battalion or mm -hmm, something mm -hmm. without having to shoot anybody but in any case there's another thing about Beethoven's writing in the seventh I think really stands out and it reminds me of how Formula One drivers used to be uh-huh they'd go around a corner and they'd fishtail uh -huh. a little bit they'd slide yep. out they'd, a bit of danger yeah a little bit of danger going around the corners yep. Ooh, did yep. you just about spin out no. Right. And he does, it's it's almost bluesy, especially in the bass. So it goes, whoa, whoa, Yeah. Those sort of things. There's definitely an element of danger. I mean, it's written sort of right on the edge for the whole orchestra. At the end of part one, to use the layperson's yep. term, yep. 
There's that weird thing I haven't heard in any other classical music of the time where the bass goes into this winding, writhing... It's a fascinating thing. Yeah, I mean, I think Beethoven had this way of getting the most out of each instrument. He knew these instruments so well, and he really stretched each of the instruments to sort of the edge of the ways that they'd been used in the yeah. past. And so, yeah, I mean, the music itself um, was breaking all the molds, but also each of the instruments. I mean, he, he asked us to do things that we hadn't done before, and, yeah. and of course that comes through. You can hear that even if you don't understand exactly what it is. It gets the fat man running. This is true. By which I mean the bass get yep. to do all sorts of things that they, you know, they're not just um, keeping the chord right. and the time. Right, so much more. Yeah. The dynamics in Symphony Number no. 7, it can go so quiet, it yep. almost disappears. It will be impossible, listeners, for us to play you exactly how dynamic that is because for very good reasons a commercial radio station like this has compression right and it <laughs> right and that's and that's why you need to come to the auckland town hall on thursday yeah. and and hear this piece in that marvelous acoustic one of the world's really great concert halls right here in do you auckland. reckon I, I i i know it absolutely it's one of the great ones beautiful mm -hmm. part two symphony number no. seven probably the most familiar it has just this aching beauty the way it starts. left it at that and it's just fine but he finds so many different melodies yep. to intertwine amongst yep. each other yep. in such a clever way yeah they complement perfectly and take your weird places yeah and um is that a fugue oh, one boy. melody and then another one going over um, and around it well i mean not as such uh, okay. in in this movement there there are some moments of fugue in this piece but not exactly in this in this movement. Um, this is something like perhaps um, a funeral march. These things usually um, are usually called. It's a sort of a slow march in a minor key. It's just such an evocative and emotionally moving yep. thing to me. Yeah, it is. It I, is. I, it's not exactly sad. It's more of an ache. That yes, there, there is some hope and ambition and struggle. Yes. That's right. Uh, so much of this symphony is is bright and and active and physical. And this movement, there's some clouds involved, and it's a, it's something a little different. It's brooding, all right. Yeah, it is. Oh, just such a clever way, I reckon, that he toys with major and minor. Mm -hmm. They can slide into each other, mm -hmm. and that's a hard thing to do and make sound sensible. Yep. Well, it's interesting you say that this movement, the way that it's specifically built, it's ambiguous as to what it's going to be.
Also, there's that weird bit. The whole orchestra falls down the stairs and you go to the bottom floor and you actually end up in the basement. You go further down where it goes... Beethoven, he gets an idea, I reckon, and takes it to the limit. Yeah, that's so true. That's yeah. so true. His style is, of course, very melodic and beautiful. It's also really intelligent, and so it's the craft of it. He'll take a small idea, and he'll develop and cultivate it and use it, turn it around, mm. um, turn it upside down, use it in all these different ways. The music ends up sounding really spontaneous, but you can tell it's been worked on a great deal. Some composers, maybe the music just poured out of them, and that was enough for them. They just wrote it down. We played some Mozart last night. You can tell it's just spontaneous and just pouring out of him. Yeah, That's freak. his genius. Yeah. Beethoven's a different genius. He's... He He's worked on it a bit more. And more self-reflective. It must be. Okay. Yeah, it must be. He was an interesting cat, wasn't he? Difficult to be around. Yeah. I don't care. I'm kind of glad he was difficult to be around. Because yeah. yeah. I'd take my hat off to someone who eschews conventions mm -hmm. and some comfort in life for mm -hmm. the sake of their art. Yeah. Yeah. He was definitely an intense individual and, you know, really focused on doing something great. Nobody was going to get in his way. How much fun is the seventh to play? It's incredibly fun. I mean, it's just an absolute delight to play this music. What if somebody claps after a movement thinking that they want to? Oh, that's fine. See, people, I, I talk to people and they all say it's fine. Yeah. And yet it seems to be frowned on only by snobs and people that think it's some fabulous convention. People used to clap between movements all the time. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's how it was done. I mean, I suppose the issue is that the symphony is, is conceived of in a big arc and so it's supposed to create tension that goes through the silences between the, between the four parts, the four movements all the way to the very end and the idea is that applause can break that but I don't think it really bothers anybody no. that much does it? No. no, if somebody does it I don't think anyone should tut tut. Yeah I know. Part three, he bashes the door down, mm -hmm. he doesn't knock politely right. and say ask me in marvelous bustling thing isn't it the yeah. rhythm is just yeah marvelous. yeah talk about never a dull moment it is very very demanding for each one of us playing it it's fast it's articulate there's rhythms sort of piling up on top of each other there's interruptions i mean this is just for me the the most entertaining part mm. of this symphony i love it you're quite special in this symphony. This really is a showcase for the oboe. It's not a concerto, but it's a thing. Yeah, it? yeah, it's a you're big one. You're everywhere. For the oboe. Yeah, definitely. The oboe's just kind of right in the thick of things throughout this piece. Yeah. yeah. Let's go to number four. This is part four, Beethoven's seventh.
nice to ride a horse to this bit as well. Mm -hmm. A lot of the big work has been done in the symphony. It's time, and it's and it's time for something to just sort of dr drive to the end. Right. But it's not just a trifle. I mean, this this movement, I mean, it's just bright and active and lively, and just and 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 again, the scale is really big. I want to know what you think of that bit towards the end of the last movement. Yeah. It's like a big staggering drunk. Yeah. And then he gets up. Yeah. And then he st drunk staggers again. It's a remarkable thing. Yeah. Well, that's Beethoven. Nothing ever gets dull. When anything gets a little too repetitive, he knows. He's got the instinct. But what a contrast of things. That's right. Both rhythm and feeling. This is what he does. He just banged them together like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of the heavy lifting in this thing, in the symphony, I reckon, that melodically is actually done in the bass section. That's mm -hmm. where I like it. I like it. It's sort of a big, grunty bass thing. I can tell you're a bass fan. Maybe you should have had a bass player in for this one. Nah, I think you are the star melodically in the seventh. Hmm. But it's true, the, ba the it's really bass-driven, this piece. It's a grunty thing. All right. Anything else you'd like to say about this particular performance? It's happening July the 12th. Like I say, you just don't get the dynamics on, on recordings that you can in, in real life. Yeah, you have to come along to these things. There aren't too many opportunities in life such as it is now to come and just spend two hours immersed in music with no screens on and just having an experience with a great work of art. What a way to do it in Auckland Town Hall. As I said, such a special, unique acoustic and this one is going to be a concert with our music director, Giordano Belencampi, and we have a really great relationship with him. We do our best work with him. And so something like this piece, even if you've heard it before, this is going to be a fresh and exciting version that we're going to do. So Really? You know, yeah, it really will be. Don't speed it up too much. Oh, oh uh, I think we'll keep it under control, but, but I, think it'll, I think it'll move along. All right. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Speed Hanley, who's one of the stars, Beethoven 7. Among, there are going to be some other pieces as well, but we've just concentrated on the hit. Right, tonight, fair enough. For the audience's sake. Um, and good luck for Thursday night, Beethoven 7. Thank you very, very much for coming in. My pleasure. Nice to meet you. Interesting radio show on planet Earth. The Weekend Variety Wireless. On Radio Live. Outside of the regulars, I don't really know anything about what's going to be happening on the show next week. Uh, when I do, I'll paste it up on the post-it on the Facebook page for Weekend Variety Wireless. Go and have a look. This isn't just, you know, pleading, oh, like me. That's awful, isn't it? Uh, it's just a service, really, uh, where I can get in touch during the week.
because if I'm doing a music review on the AM show, they expect me to do that and not just say, excuse me, while I eyeball the camera. Coming up this weekend on the Weekend Variety Wireless. You see, that would be out of line. Coming up on the... In the next hour, we found a whole bunch of outsiders, uh, outsider tales with Jared Hindmarsh in the lost property bin at Mount Spart Stadium. Uh, some Warriors fan had found them on the road outside. This is really great news because it means we can fill up the archive and make the archive totally complete uh, just over the next few weeks with these long missing outsider tales the one coming up oh it's a it's an awful tale as many of them are but they're intriguing aren't they of new zealand history uh west coast 1903 and a couple of uh, norwegian immigrants i think you could say uh, effectively um they get caught up in a murder inquiry they get caught up real bad they end up being convicted of it you can go and see the grave of one of them today uh at somewhere in west westland jared will tell you he's good at this sort of thing uh we'll have fresh um outsider tales too uh coming up over the next few weeks as well so just keep your ears peeled uh, what i do during the week is throw up um on the facebook page what's coming up and a link to the weekend variety wireless webpage where you can see all the things that are broadcast during the weekend do avail yourself of the podcast of course the podcast is a groovy thing it means you can take the show around with you during the week as well you can email the show ask max a question uh, avail yourself of all of those things uh, i hope you enjoyed the beethoven seven what's its name uh with captain oboe Mr. Bede Hanley, cool name, eh? Bede, B-E-D-E. Um, it's just, it's, it's such an evocative piece of music. What a marvellous thing. Um, it will be lovely to see it live. So if you can, do get along. It's the Thursday night, July the 12th. That's coming up this week. Thursday night, July the 12th. And that's at the Auckland Town Hall. Worth visiting Auckland if you're from out of town just to see that. Okay, new sport and weather coming up very shortly. Um, yeah, I've got no idea what's coming up for next week, other than you and McCabe will be back to talk about the World Cup at the real big, fat business end of affairs. And why shouldn't England win it? Why not? Not that I'm really supporting them. Couldn't care less. But I can't stand the people that point and laugh at them. They have won it, for goodness sake. Cut them some slack. They haven't looked that flash, actually. That that big Harry Kane. Oh, goal-scoring machine. He's actually only got a few penalties, hasn't he? And he nodded one in. But anyway, uh, he's a better footballer than you and I. And that's why he gets paid what he does. OK, uh, new sport and weather coming your way at approximately the speed of light. Here it comes. It's 11 o'clock. And straight after that, the outsider tale, The Burke Murder of 1903. Very good evening.